Uh, before we get into it, I need to remind you that the Football Index podcast is supported by Football Index Trader, the best site for in-depth scouting and trading strategy. This week, he considered one of the biggest questions right now is, FI a safe place to put your money? This was widely shared and lots of people found it helpful, um, helping them understand what was going through this unsettling market. This article is free and can be found on bit.ly forward slash 3JJY. EMD. And if you want to see some more, an exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG25. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index Podcast, episode 156. Uh, thanks so much for all the support over in September. We had a record-breaking month in terms of downloads. That was really awesome. Uh, thanks to some spectacular guests and also some big announcements and some confusing times in the Football Index world that I suppose people are looking for clarity within. And I think October might be on track to maybe match September. So thanks so much for everyone's support recently. I really do appreciate it. Definitely check out the previous uh, Football Index podcast extra with Panda that went out on Thursday. That was really awesome. And check out the previous Figcast as well. Uh, the previous one with Soccer Index uh, was really well received and people have enjoyed that one. Today, I'm joined by Duncan Mabry. Uh, how are you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Absolutely no worries. You've not got FI in your name, which to me is refreshing but to you you were like do i need some sort of pseudonym like <laughs> yeah yeah i know i'm a little bit worried i'm gonna get you know please don't go on my linkedin and, and that sort of thing um but, <laughs> you've I'm, asked for it now I'm well afraid. i know i know um yeah i think i need to i need to do a rebrand and luckily for me i don't really have any followers so uh, so it's there's not much of a cost if i were to rebrand um why don't you tell listeners a bit more about yourself uh, your background and a bit more about your football index journey yeah, yeah, sure. So I, um, I mean, background-wise, I, um, I work in finance. So I work in uh, SME private debt. So that basically means we we provide loans to businesses. Uh, we're an alternative to a bank, effectively. Um, and and FI-wise, um, I've been on since September 2018. So uh, I've had a pretty good run of it. And obviously, uh, you know, all the way through the share split and, and the booms that we've seen since. And I've um you know i, I had uh, i've got a four 4k uh, sorry a, a four figure portfolio now um and yeah built it up through sort of various deposits and and um yeah as i've become more comfortable what um you know what what's interesting is it was probably a, a five figure portfolio before the recent uh, <laughs> the recent turmoil um but you know i i think we're all we're all comfortable with uh well, you know anyone who's who's um invested sensibly has got to be comfortable with you know with the fact that things are, are only going to improve from here and you know before we got into the show you were telling me that you uh, only started listening to the podcast during lockdown and i guess that's a bit of a backhanded compliment you said you got bored and started listening to it which meant that you've also started is it fair of me to say duncan thinking about fi a bit more yeah for sure and i think i mean that I think that's natural for everyone, right? Given, especially given what's going on with the platform, you know, I think, as I was saying to you, you know, it's a great time to be, uh, you know, to, to properly become invested in the product, maybe in a financial sense, but certainly, 
you know, in a kind of understanding. Uh, I think a lot of people would have been prompted to have a think about, you know, what we can do, their trading strategies, how we go forwards. And, you know, we, obviously we can talk about this uh, in more detail, but I think you and, and other guests have mentioned the identity crisis and maybe people have lost sight of, of the message and the kind of long term, the USP of football index which is which is the long-term bet and maybe a lost track of the fact that um you know that when you place a bet with football index you're effectively saying that over the lifetime of you know in its simplest term the lifetime of that um of that bet you're gonna get paid more dividends than what football index have uh, what you've paid football index for for that bet or for that share um so i think look that's an example of kind of you know how over, how maybe we, I'd lost track of that. I think we, you know, a lot of us probably had, uh, and so it's been a great time to listen to the podcast, get people's views, and kind of go right right back to the basics of of what it is. I think that's been a crying uh, shame, hasn't it? That a lot of people have forgotten about that uh, long-term USP, whether it be because of 5x in-play dividends, whether it be because of like mass, mass um, instability or volatility on the platform. I think a lot of people have forgotten about that. And it's it's kind of hard to ignore red and green flying around uh, very short term and also trying to build for the future. So has anything that's happened since kind of lockdown uh, changed your strategy since you know you started listening to the podcast and also since you've seen the order book uh you know introduction and integration yeah i mean i mean just to just to cover something you you mentioned there in terms of um you know it's been easy to to lose sight of it and you know i think i think it's and and kind of how you know how that happened i think it's important to to have a think about to have a think about that and kind of then build your strategy from there um so my, you know, my strategy has has probably slightly changed in the sense that I'm, I'm less willing to, um, you know, to take to take the punts that maybe we used to take, and obviously order books and and the removal of IS has um, has gone away from that. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of there's a few questions later about where money will flow, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of people will be desperate to have players that that are paying dividends on a regular basis because it kind of um, you know, it'll it'll definitely reinforce the you know the idea of, of of yields and the fact that the yields are so good. It's pretty. It's a lot easier to see that and to be comfortable with who you're holding when you're seeing that on a you know on a weekly or monthly basis with players winning dividends. If you want to be on a on a 25p player who's who's only got to win dividends once in the next five ten years, um, or you know three years if you want to look at it that way, um, that that's for me, that would be a much harder strategy to follow, um, and so you know, so my strategy has definitely has definitely gone to kind of reliable um, players, and maybe that's just me because I maybe don't have the patience to sit there and wait three years for someone to return the <laughs> dividends. Um, but it's also it's also lower risk, and I think look, um, like I said, we'll talk about it more. But um, you know, in times like this, people go to the safe havens in in financial markets. Mm. And I think that's where people will go in football index. And I think you know we don't even need to name the players. I think everyone knows knows who they are. So so I think that'll be interesting. That's definitely the way I'm going, and, and that will change as the stability comes back in. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I want to ask you, and I probably will ask you this after the um, 
after the kind of uh, when we get properly into the questions is is kind of what your thoughts on the, on the rollout have been. But before we even get into that, you know, one of the things that's been kind of touted around recently is uh, a lot of people fixated with that kind of three year bet. And um, obviously, it's probably from accounting purposes that FI do that, that they have this three-year bet in place where i'm sure that they would like to allow people to have uh, unlimited years but from a accountancy standpoint it's, it's probably quite tough to do that but i think one of the things that panda said on thursday and and one of the things people have lost sight for is that it isn't necessarily a three-year bet if you hold a an 18 year old you could hold him for 10 years you just have to recycle those bets four times um is that something that uh you know that the community often forgets as well duncan yeah, a hundred percent. And I know that when I, I know that when I joined, uh, I was I was so confused because I thought, like, how this doesn't make any sense. I'm I'm taking a three year bet on a guy who's eighteen. Does that mean he has to return his whole price by the by the time he's twenty one? So I think, you know, a lot of people will be put off by that. I think there's a lot of, or that at least there's a lot of, um, you know, misinformation. What where it's become quite a touchy subject recently is around the liquidity issue and and so you know i think that's been done to death we all know that they need more liquidity um but at the moment there isn't there isn't really that liquidity and so if you take a player and and uh and you basically take a view that i want him for the next 10 10 12 years i'm gonna have to roll over three times you need someone to buy that bet off you otherwise at the end of the at the end of the three years you're paying an you know you're paying an enormous spread you're you're effectively selling the player for nothing and then you'll have to buy him back um, for, for maybe you know five quid, but you've sold him for nothing if there's no buyer. Uh, so so that's clearly a cost to renewing your bet. Now, what we you know what we've had historically is is uh, is football index providing subsidising the insta sell as a basically a cash out, a very generous cash out, and that that meant that you didn't really have to worry about the end of the three year bet. And so I so I think I, I do uh, understand. You know completely the narrative that the risk has changed the bet has slightly changed and and so maybe that's why people are looking at it now as a three-year thing but um but i mean i suppose it's only an issue if you are speculating that there will be no person to buy that bet from you after the three years and i suppose when you look take a view at players that are um 18 or 20 or 23 or 24 25 then the chances or the likelihood of that is is quite low whereas if you hold a player who is 35 and you want to hold him for three years and and not recycle but in that three-year period then there is a risk at 38 that he retires and you can't recycle those shares and you can't sell them on so i i get it to some extent for those uh players that are um you know older and i do also get it from from what you've just discussed you know if liquidity is is short in three years which you know we're all crossing our fingers and toes that that isn't the case in three months let alone three years then i I can understand it if the current market climate was like it will be in the next one month year two years ten years then i'd understand taking that view where you're like well actually I have three years to sell this bet, not 10 years. But I, I don't know, maybe people are misunderstanding again that the liquidity we're seeing and the spreads we're seeing are more of a snapshot in time rather than a, and a constant thing. Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head there when you said, you know, we we want liquidity to be resolved in, in three months, let alone three years. And, and let's be honest, if, uh, if there's no liquidity in three years' time, Football Index have, have done a lot wrong. 
have we'll have much bigger issues to talk about yeah. than, you know, rather than us to selling our players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry that it'll probably be the end of your podcast if that's the case. But, yeah, I um, I would probably be bracing myself that if that was three years down the line, which is you know the the thick brand has only been old <laughs> three years old. So um, if in three years if I've not solved the liquidity thing, I'd I'd have probably greater things to worry about. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, look, it's we we all. Yeah, for, for me, when I'm making my decisions about football index, um, and, I've, and I've heard a few people say similar things on the platform, you've got to understand what is the risk of FI, you know, just com- just folding here, basically. And and it's they're regulated um, by the Gambling Commission. They've, you know, as you referred to, they've got accountancy practices, etc., in place, um, and and they will have massive cash reserves in place in order to have been able to do this dividend increase. So. Uh, look, you've got to do your research on that, and and that's kind of a, a systemic risk with the product, um, which has got a lot less over the last few years as as they've, uh, you know, as they've grown and they've built up their cash reserves, and, and they would only have been able to do that dividend increase with a large amount of cash put aside. And so, you know, I think people need to basically, if you're still on the platform, you need to remove that from your, you need, you know, you need to do your research and remove that from your mind, and then. Then you can start looking at you know the future and ten year bets. So for me, it's it's two different things people are looking at, and um, you know you've got to yeah you've got to look at um, you've got to you've got to look at the, the value of the player, and and if you don't think he if you don't think football index has any value, then that, that player obviously has no value as well. And and do you think people do that enough as traders? Do you think there is enough resources out there to really educate yourself on um, football index as a business, as a business model? I know it's quite a complex one that you know me and you have had many conversations about. But do you think traders who maybe have a reasonable amount of money in this platform do enough to figure out like what exactly FI's financial position is like, uh, how they're doing as a business. Because, you know, one of the things that was really, um, yeah, one of the things that I really, really was shocked by on Black Sunday was the lack of understanding from a lot of the, the timeline and a lot of people in the community. Um, the lack of understanding that when we see prices go down, it automatically um, correlates with FI not doing well as a business, which, I guess in the very short term and probably medium term is, is absolutely the inverse of that. And I think a lot of people, it was, it was, that was the shock to me rather than the, the prices going down more so. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's a difficult one. It's, I think Panda mentioned it on your, on your most recent podcast. Um, this has not really been done before. This idea of kind of bookmaker come exchange slash dividends on offer. And, and so, it's not easy. It's not an easy business model for people to understand. It's, it's certainly taken me a while. I'll hold my hands up and said and say, you know, I was on I was on holiday. I think you had another guest saying the same. I, I was on holiday when Black Sunday happened, so it was quite good in a sense because, uh, well, one, I was having a good time on holiday, so that kind of <laughs> took the edge off it. Uh, but it was like I couldn't I couldn't log in, so I couldn't see what what my portfolio value was doing. I, I was having a look at the prices. Um, without logging in and so I could see a bit of it but my I had the same reaction was like you know how, how can they take this battering can they um, but in the short term they very much can and, and you know I did quite a lot of research off the back of it so you know I will hold my hands up and say I've had money in the product probably without knowing everything that I should about it and, and there'll be people with a lot more money 
in that I have um, who are, who probably don't understand as well as they should. And I think the beauty of this, you know, everyone's been saying with coronavirus, you know, never waste never waste a crisis in terms of being an opportunity to learn. And I think there's there's a lot there's a lot of similarities with you know with um, everything that's going on with football index. It's a great opportunity for uh, for people to actually educate themselves and, and understand what's going on the platform and for us to build a sustainable community you know sustainable product and community here i think that is crucial that people go out and do their research and and understand exactly what they're investing in yeah i mean we are seeing it in uh you know traditional financial markets where the likes of trading 212 and free trade uh they have had a record number of account openings over the lockdown since coronavirus has kind of come into play especially in the UK and for me what that shows is a lot of people who aren't financially constrained having a lot more time to think about what they want to do with their money and maybe people that are kind of you know within the ages of 22 23 to 35 to 40 where they were around or kind of you know old enough to understand what was going on with the previous kind of financial crash of 2008 and how in retrospect people would have been like well i'd wish i'd bought x and y then um you know you you had a lot of people starting to do that now and obviously football index is not like a regulated financial product and you know this that's stated and and you know uh amplified on this podcast a lot but i i do see a, a lot of kind of interest from that standpoint as well in 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 betting and and also uh cryptocurrency for example and football index can be part of that gray area where it's kind of like well it is gambling but it's also uh stimu- more stimulating than normal betting so you do need more time and uh to kind of understand it and kind of actually create a strategy and and, and build a portfolio um and luckily a lot of people have more time now yeah yeah i mean i think one of your previous guests said that betting gambling companies tend to do pretty well in recessions because um you know people have have a lot of time and um you know to to go into this sort of thing and um yeah i mean you look and you look at the the share prices of some of the some of the big uh, gambling firms and like i think william hill i mean there's there's acquisition talk and that sort of thing but they're up like they're up tenfold and you know, people. There was this initial reaction that um, without sports, etc., that these companies weren't going to do very well. Um, but actually, you know, again, with you know, that's a very short-sighted view. And and the same has happened with with football index. It's become a very, very short. You know, four weeks is a long time in football index when it when it shouldn't really be. Uh, you know, we're looking at like we said, five five ten-year bets here, and and so yeah, there's you know, we've got a massive discount at the moment. If you believe in the in the long term future, and um, yeah, and you know, hopefully we'll be looking back at, at a little blip on the roadmap here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get into it, I need to remind you about the Patreon. Uh, if you don't know what a Patreon is, it's where content creators create premium bonus and behind the scenes content for their audience. In my case, I'm trying to help traders profit more on their Football Index journeys by adding as much insight as I can. There's three pound, five pound, eight pound, and twelve pound tiers, all without 
VAT included, but all with different great perks. So do check it out for the best football index content around. Head over to patreon.com forward slash FI guide, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash FI guide for more information and join a growing community at the Fig Patreon. The Discord is really doing well. Um, the webinars are an amazing uh, addition to kind of the content that I've been putting out. Uh, we've got a football index psychology special coming um, next week from Sigmund Freund, who I think his name's at the moment like Scrappy Freund or something like that. Um, and the kind of uh, blogs and, and private podcasts as well on a monthly basis have been well achieved. And also so some of the PandaCasts, oh, I've called it a PandaCast again. Uh, some of the FigCast extras have been going out early when we record early in the day enough. So uh, definitely have a look, even if you don't sign up, just just check it out. Um, also going to plug the State of Play podcast, my other play, uh, podcast. So head over to at State of Play pod on Twitter. Check that out. That is uh, on all things football in the top five European leagues. Um, so we've got some nice comments and miscellaneous questions here. Uh, the handsome show pony. Who would win in a wrestling match, Sporting Panda or Fig? Having met both in real life, I can confirm there would only be one winner. That's for me, is it? I think so. Um, well, I haven't met either, so it's quite a tough <laughs> one for me. But um, I mean, you have to base be it honest. on how we sound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest; it's going to be a pretty dire affair, isn't it? I, ah. I don't think football index traders are, are top of my list if I got uh, if I needed <laughs> a hand in a bar fight. So <laughs> I, I don't know; <laughs> it's not one oh, I'm going to I'm going to pay pay to watch. I don't think... Actually, I don't know. Would people pay to watch that? <laughs> yeah, some people might. I suppose it's like the um, KSI, whatever. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's where you need to go. I don't know how much your money you're making out of this podcast. But, um, <laughs> that would be quite some pivot as well if I just became like a professional boxer. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I'd be cut out for it, to be honest with you. Um, but let's see. I'll, I'll float it to who, Panda. Who does, if he he's, think, uh... who does he think the one winner is? I mean, I definitely win. Right. Um, that's for sure. I'm, I'm younger, taller, um, stronger, former martial artist. I think I'd probably have oh, it right. in the bag, to be honest. But he's got his new dog now, so whether or not he'd be permitted to to use that as like a a partner in this in this in this grand slam, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, I I think I'd put money on myself. To be fair, good, good, <laughs> good. <laughs> Fi Elliot, how good are Villa? Should Southgate really start considering Grealish as a key player for England? So you're a big Villa fan. Obviously, great start for you, folks. How's it feeling? Slightly surreal? Well, look, first of all, uh, I thought Mason Mount was, was brilliant. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, no, I can't believe that guy, honestly. Um, Did you listen enough on the pan- Pandacast again? Damn, the Figcast Extra, um, where I talked about this kind of story I'd be told by a friend of a friend who who's kind of involved in, in some of the youth coaching setups. Oh, yeah, and- I did. I did catch that actually. Um, sounds, sounds like an like interesting kind of background thing. story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing that um, the Grealish would have done back in the day. Um, and I think I think that's that's one of the big things. I mean, Villa fans, for um, you know, not not that we're necessarily um, you know the brightest bunch, but we've all <laughs> we've all known for a while his quality. And I, you know, I'm I'm no diehard Villa fan, but you know, I'm I'm quite a big fan, and I've. You know when he went when he went to Notts um, Notts County on loan, um, you know, you, and he he was getting beaten up, and and the same when he came into the Premier League, he's a completely different player to then, uh, in ter- you know, physically and mentally. But he's always had that look of, um, you know, you watch him, he just glides around. He's like mm. he's like Gaza reincarnated. 
It's um, so nice to watch, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's what people are seeing. You know, I saw a lot of Twitter. A lot. I didn't actually watch the game last night, but I've seen seen some highlights, and I saw people say, "Oh, you know, Grealish, she really is a joy to watch." And and that's what Villa fans have you know have seen for years now. And I just think now that he's on the main stage, obviously Villa have come back into the Premier League, and people have seen a lot more of him. I think he's finally getting the recognition, and all, all credit to him in terms of the way he's matured and and like you know applied. Uh, and, and developed his game basically such a fascinating football index story there with Grealish as well because yeah. um five days ago you could have picked him up for under two quid pretty much and, yeah and uh, I guess it shows with this kind of mechanism that we've got now uh you know that the buy price is what 350 or whatever um that's a ridiculous increase uh from people that have bought him five days ago yeah I mean he got up to what six quid something like that yeah um I guess based on you know those you know we talk about that later in terms of what the valuations got to um and i think me and uh you know a couple of guys uh, that, that are in football index we have a little whatsapp group and back uh, when they started uh when um when the season started last year Grealish started well and i i texted a mate saying Grealish at, at two quid maybe you know he, he is looking really good and i'm not sure people <laughs> quite caught on to it uh didn't have any you know story of my life uh, didn't have a cash balance, didn't get into him, gone up to to um, six quid and we were kind of ruining it. And then during Black Sunday, someone put a message in saying, you know, cop- basically tagging that that message again, saying, you know, Grealish is back at two quid. Does anyone <laughs> want in? And bloody didn't have a cash balance again. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, look, I think he's, um, yeah, in terms of how good Villa are generally, um, well, I mean, you only have to look at the table, right? We're, um, mm. you know, we're up there, and uh, I, look, I'm not going to get too excited. But I doesn't think... look like you guys are going to get relegated this year, does it? No, I mean, I wouldn't, put it, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past us. I mean, we, <laughs> I was even when we were five, you know, what was it, half time, uh, you know, five two or whatever. Um, when when it went five two, when Salah scored, it was kind of like, oh god, like sure, surely not, surely not. <laughs> um, and and so yeah, I think. But look, Bar- Barclays a a great addition. I think what what Villa fans have been saying for a while is, um, or, or you know, over the summer, this is a squad that that's very young. Uh, they're only getting better. They're only kind of learning to play with each other more, or they've only had more, only getting more time to to get used to each other. There's some great players in there. Uh, Watkins, you know, I'll be the first person to say I'm 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 not sure about the transfer fee. Dean Smith thinks it's trebled. Uh, since that <laughs> performance, but clearly, you know, one thing you can't deny—he's got got an eye for goal. And if we, if we're defensively solid like we were after lockdown uh, and so far this season, and we're scoring goals, and Grealish is playing well, and Barkley and McGinn, then you know, I think you know we've we've got you know it's, it's I've got no problem with people having having high expectations. I think uh, you know Champions League here we come. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you've made some good acquisitions, to be fair. I mean, as an Arsenal fan, Emi Martinez, I think, is going to look like a snip yeah. at 20 million. Um, I think, I still think oh, I quite rate Tyrone Mings. Um, I really like John McGinn as well. So I think you guys are going to be completely fine. But I mean, you mentioned that WhatsApp group. Is that friends that you've got from, from work or is that friends from home? And how have they gotten into FI in, in the past? And also, I guess, follow up question, when you speak to people about Football Index and the kind of line of work that you're in, what's the instant... Uh, What's the instant response? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, this is a couple of guys that I was at, at uni with, uh, and one of them actually introduced me to, to football index back in September 2018, and then uh, the other guy um, joined. Yeah, I think you know we we sort of coerced him into it, and uh, <laughs> I got a few other a few other mates as well. Luckily, I introduced, or you know, we were kind of all getting into it when it was, uh, you know, when everything was going up, and so. Luckily, I haven't convinced anyone to, to get in in the last three months or so. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, you know, more generally, I think we, we can talk about this as well. But I think the way that Football Index have marketed it, to me, it has been, I think there's something to be learned at the moment from the way they've marketed it with, um, you know, with, with what I believe is an unsustainable message. Uh, you know, the idea that, you know, what, what, when you get monthly emails, as far as I can turn, from Football Index telling you how much money you've made on the platform, the all-time P&L, um, you know, they're, they're as guilty as anyone of pumping players with their rocket marketing tweets and all the rockets and that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, we'll go more into the into the buy price valuations, which are, are slightly were, I believe, still are slightly uh, inflated, not necessarily in, uh, you know, Price valuations are very low now, but in terms of how they're actually shown on the platform to me, um, they've always, you know, that buy price has always been a, a little bit false. And so you've kind of created this, uh, and that's that to me is why you get this slight Ponzi scheme message from other people. I'm sure mm. you've had it. You know, I've definitely had it. Um, <laughs> yeah, people, and, think, and it's something that's so hard to discuss with someone that doesn't really understand football index, isn't it? Oh, because it's. I mean, you know. I could ramble on for 45 minutes here about, you know, how we've got to this point. And so, and no one quite rightly is going to give me that, that time of day to tell, to tell them about all the money I've made. On I mean, look, day, listen, so. we've had three hour podcasts. So, you know, this is, this is your, this is well, your time. Mate. Chance, yeah. Um, and so I think, look, that to me, it's, it's kind of this, this magic money tree message that, you know, you put money into football index and it goes up and people rather than necessarily taking the time to understand the fundamentals they were buying because everyone was buying, and uh, and a lot of people, you know, to the outside world, think that that's unsustainable. Um, and now we're in a position where people are selling because people are selling, and you know we should really have predicted that because people, you know, the same people that buy when other people are buying are going to sell when other people are selling. Yeah. And uh, and I'm and so unfortunately, you know, they've I think they've kind of. Um, you know they've kind of made their bed in that sense with this marketing and i think they would do well to to take a look at that message of um you know basically branding the product on how much money you can make on it when actually look at skybet 365 etc uh, until a year ago i think they might have changed the regulations it was pretty much impossible to find your port your pnl with these guys and yet football index stamp it on the front of the app and send you emails every month with how much profit you've made rather than creating an app or rather than relying on the fact that it's a brilliant product where people will enjoy themselves by you know taking punts on young players and whatever uh, but maybe but maybe you know uh, to play devil's advocate there duncan the product hasn't been fully ready and, and and brilliant um for the last two to three years i mean i guess the concept has always been amazing as, as to what you're alluding to but i guess um to paper over those cracks that have been 
the tech, the roadmaps not being fulfilled, you know, NASDAQ not still integrated, uh, the media monitor still uh, not in play. And that's only, you know, the last three, four or five months. Um, maybe the marketing messages of, but the returns are so great and framing them in this kind of very grandiose way is, is what has uh, papered over the cracks. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that's what it is. It is a, a papering over the cracks. And, um, you know, I, I wish that they, you know, as, as, you know, people have said on other podcasts with this, they brought, and we talk about this later, they brought up the, the regulation and they do, and, and, you know, all these embryonic plans, they do kind of need to get their house in order and focus on making a product that people will actually use, whether they're winning or losing. Uh, and, mm. and, you know, like people do on 365, on Skybet, on, uh, on other trading platforms, you know, trading the spread X and all these sorts of platforms, people are happy to lose because that's just the nature of humans. They all think they're better. You know, we all think we're better than yeah. we are. 90% of people think they're above average, etc. So I think there's a way, you know, there's a hundred percent a way they can, they can build the platform without that message. And maybe it would be more sustainable slash. We wouldn't have these big bumps in the road where, as yeah. soon as we're not making money, people stop enjoying the product. Um, so, and, yeah. and and do you think that maybe from a, because, you know, I, I think that if I should still market the opportunities and um, how good uh, the yields are, for yeah. example, how would you do that in a more um, sensible way, I suppose? Um, look, I completely agree with you in terms of the, I think it's, the, they can market the yields. I've got, I think that's sustainable because the yields are there. Uh, it's marketing the paper profit, i.e., you know, the fact, oh, the buy price has gone, you know, the, uh, your portfolio value has gone up based on the buy price, which was slightly false. Uh, and, you know, a classic example of that is them sending out the message when everyone was unlisting. And I know you've spoken about this. They sent out a really bad form message about, oh, you know, people are flying. You know, come on, guys, like that, that's quite irresponsible. And I think that, but there will have been people that, as a result of that, overexposed themselves and, and weren't thinking about the dividends and the yields. They're thinking about the short-term uh, paper profit they can make. So I think it's just a case of, you know, as, as you guys said many a time, bring that message back of what's the USP. It's, it's the dividends that you can earn over time, the yield that you can earn over time on Football Index. Um, by you know being patient sure you can trade in and around players and as their expected dividends goes up they will go up in price but i think we kind of need to avoid a platform where just because people are going up people start buying rather than and and so they've they've tried to do it recently focusing on the yields and they sent that uh that most recent update they were talking about the yields uh, so I think more of that and telling people, you know, what div how many dividends they're earning and, and what the dividend potential is. But that'll take some time to shift away from from the current or the old marketing message, which was, you know, this is your P&L based on your based on your portfolio value. And it's gone up loads. Aren't you doing well? And you can still show, um, you know, the capital appreciation side of things, just not in a 
in a, as as I mentioned, grandiose way. You know, I think they've used graphs of players, like look how much this player's risen in the last uh, three months or whatever. And I think you know the likes of free trade and and, and other of these stock brokering apps do the same when they say, well, look how much Netflix or um, Tesla is the classic one, isn't it? Where there's a lot of debate about. Uh, they're like, well, look how much these stocks have gone up. That could have been you, right? And I guess it's instilling. Um, that FOMO, which again, from a regulatory point, state of view, uh, whether FI are in going to be regulated by the FCA in three years' time or the Gambling Commission or uh, or someone else, I don't know. But that kind of level of uh, trusting customers more, I suppose, seems to be um, more and more a thing. The democratization of investing through you know those stock brokerages, but also um, you know if if people have the right information, they should be able to do with what what they want with their money but i suppose I, I definitely do agree with you like that has definitely um that's definitely perpetuated the issue that we've seen over the last uh six months i suppose i mean one of the things that panda said recently was we've given a trading platform to gamblers and and on top of that we've given a trading platform that is fundamentally broken from a mechanism standpoint from a kind of valuation standpoint with the vwap or whatever with the liquidity problem um there seems to be a lot of issues and on top of that, the customer base wasn't ready for it. So I, I totally agree with you. I think the marketing has definitely perpetuated the, the problem we've had or the way that the brand's been built. Um, I, I guess one of the things I want to say in, in, in their defense is some of these green numbers, while they probably have attracted a lot of money from traders that maybe haven't educated themselves and aren't ready for the platform in its current form it has also attracted people like um, panda it has also attracted people that are from um fx trading backgrounds it's also uh, attracted people from commodities trading backgrounds so with every bad or uh with every maybe misconstrued message as, you, as you've put it duncan there's probably been some good in it as well so it's it's very hard but i guess to your point, we we have probably netted out at having people that aren't comfortable with how this works and aren't comfortable with loss and also aren't comfortable with um, really valuing the bets that they're buying. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, no, I think I think that's completely fair. Um, I think, yeah, it's you know, it's it's the bump in the road that we're experiencing now that maybe could have been slightly tempered, and you know, we see it. Uh, you know, in crypto, we see it. You know, we've seen it in in the you know in the economy, the the global economy, where you know on the way up, you kind of want to temper things so that the you know so that the bumps in the road aren't quite as severe. And I think maybe they just um, you know they might have got a little bit carried away. They've and, and marketed themselves on this paper profit that you know maybe they maybe in hindsight they should have been focusing more on the yields, which actually underpin player values um and maybe player values you know ran away a little bit in some cases now we've had a dividend increase they're definitely undervalued and that's kind of the irony of it it very ironic indeed. Uh, and speaking you know speaking of i guess slightly uh touchy subjects or questions here chris barker why is duncan such a sly wet wipe do you two else. have some history i mean uh i guess we do yeah uh, clearly <laughs> i mean yeah, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I'm just, I'm not on, I don't think I'm really on Twitter enough to have, to have caused such a stir. But um, yeah, I don't really know what to say. I, maybe I need to go on Twitter and have a look. 
Yeah, maybe Chris, after he listens to this, um, will, uh, you know, send you a message and say sorry, or um, maybe hate, hate you even more, depending on which way it goes. <gasps> <out. Yeah. laughs> um, before we move on, I need to remind you about Index Gain, one of the Football Index Guide podcast sponsors index gain have launched their latest product uh, recently my ig which helps traders manage their portfolios as well as a few real-time spreads and prices across the entire index analyze price moves for your players over multiple price periods simultaneously get real price alerts straight to your phone for the players you hold or are watching if you are interested head over to indexgain.co.uk and use fig 2020 for five quid off your first month or if you want to go for your six month membership you get a month free and five quid off which is not too bad um so let's get into some questions here uh, fi gardener from the discord patreon that you should definitely check out hate looking backwards but can you discuss what the impact would have been if fi had rolled out both the buy and sell side of the order book at the same time yeah i think i mean for me this this in terms of how they rolled it out it a lot of it boils down to to the liquidity and and so they could have rolled it out back in May uh, together, which I, and I'm sure their plan. I mean, I don't know what their exact roadmap looked like before before COVID nineteen hit, um, but presumably that would have been the plan, and they would have wanted more liquidity in when they when they did it. Um, as it was, you know, they've they've done it without much liquidity. They've done it before Nasdaq, etc., and, and genuine order books uh, and the proper mechanics are ready. So. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, it's a combination of things, them rolling it out buy and sell side at the same time alone probably wouldn't have made much difference without proper mechanics and liquidity. And, and I think maybe one thing that exacerbated the problem was the fact that, uh, you know, with the, the one-sided matching engine meant that, uh, a lot of, a lot of money was trapped and there was a lot of um people wanted to get out of holds and then maybe they became so desperate to sell that they created a bit of a panic basically um so i think you know that's that's the only difference um really without liquidity as, as i've said it i don't think it would have made that much difference i mean let's talk about the liquidity point right like um have you been surprised that it hasn't been addressed uh what's been your take on it since kind of the start of the order book rollout uh, I, th- I think that's one of the hardest things. You know, we talked about doing your research into football index and, uh, and you know, from a regulatory standpoint, financial standpoint, etc. One thing that's really difficult to do is, or has been historically, uh, is, is working out what the liquidity is on football index because of the, they've got their own model of, of pricing and that's obviously changed now. We still don't have depth of market, so we still don't really know what the liquidity looks like um and and that was really down to them to work out when they you know when they put everything in place they they would know how much is traded on the platform they they should have done their their research to work out what an appropriate level of liquidity was or market cap whatever you want to call it um to do to introduce full order books and so yeah i am surprised um i think you know it's a bit of a fundamental error and they've definitely set themselves back a little bit which is why we are where we are um i think it's one of those things it'll take a little bit of time uh, it'll probably take nasdaq in place before they you know before we get the people that they want on board in terms of liquidity and, and 
and it, and it's a real chicken and egg scenario. Liquidity brings liquidity. If there's mm. no, you know, <laughs> if you look at a blank, someone has to be the first, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it, I think there'll be a negotiation process there. Um, you know, I, I was just thinking the other day. You know, they we are all liquidity providers, right? Um, every single one of us is providing liquidity, and for us to provide liquidity, they give us some quite generous offers, like deposit bonuses, and like uh, we get a week. Is it a week? You get five hundred quid risk free. Yeah, they they genuinely might be negotiating similar things with liquidity. I mean, I'm kind of thinking just straight off the thinking out loud here, but. Um, you know, there could be something where there's some sort of uh, some sort of first loss that football index have to take um, to to give some sort of guarantee to to whoever's coming in with liquidity in the same way that that we get it as a well, you know, as a, as an offer. So it'll be a negotiation process. Um, they're probably going to have to negotiate a bit harder than they might have if you know if everything had rolled out smoothly and if coronavirus etc. wasn't in the picture. So. Um, I think it, it's a matter of time. There will be, uh, you know, there's where there's a will, there's a way, and there will be a a price um, that someone is willing to take, and it's just a case of of reaching that. And do you think, you know, in the short term, something should be done to bridge that liquidity gap that we currently have? Because I guess what has happened with FI moving away from instant sell and us having sell orders in play, we've had this liquidity gap and. Do you foresee anything happening to kind of um, plug that hole until Nasdaq come on board? Um, I think I think that's that's a difficult one. Um, I mean, obviously, everyone you know, there's been this talk about kind of incentivizing blue button buying um, and you know trying to get some impetus into the market. I mean, I, I haven't actually looked at, looked much of the market today, but there seems to be much tighter spreads over the last day or so. Than unless there's been a crash today, which I haven't seen, um, there seems to be much tighter spreads, and so I think uh, you know there's a lot of liquidity on the sidelines. We've well, according to Twitter, there's lots of cash balances waiting to waiting to to be deployed. Um, I I have to say, I, I mean, I don't want to. This is not being negative. I, I just don't think I've thought about it enough in terms of what they can do to actually um, get liquidity prior to Nasdaq. My my view is that would be difficult. Uh, and again, as I said, that however they get it in, there someone's got to go first. There'll be a negotiation uh, to be had. And it, if they're going to get someone in before Nasdaq, um, I'd be surprised because the trading mechanics just aren't there. The platform can't handle you know large volumes and IPOs and all that sort of thing. So for me, they they've got to. That's the priority. Get your house in order. Someone will come in with liquidity and. You know, in the in the meantime, we, you know, we've basic. There are massive yields and massive upside on offer if we wanna if we wanna take it and deposit bonuses, etc. So, you know, I th- I think um, the initial shock has happened, and like I said, the from from what I looked at it last night, the market seem spread seemed to be tightening. And I think we might just um, you know bottomed out by ourselves, and and liquidity may come in. You know, <laughs> all it needs is a tiny bit of momentum. And, and things will change very quickly. 
Yeah, they will. Um, got a question here from Perry from the Discord. Uh, he who joined after appearing on the show. I mean, I guess that's some sort of sales tactic from me. Um, get people on the show, hope they sign up. Uh, let's see if Duncan joins. Um, after FI fixed the current trading mechanisms, what excites you the most about the future of the platform? So before we talk about the future, the mechanisms, uh, Duncan, what do you currently make of the way that FI have iterated? And I guess the current state that we have this order book in place where we call it an order book. There isn't really a book. That's something that SATT keeps saying. Um, you know, the VWAP is, is kind of strange because although it works in like a free market by having it as the lowest 300 or lowest 900 without liquidity, it's, it's quite strange. Um, and yeah, like what, what are your general thoughts on, on the mechanics? Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I think, you know, I, I have my own views on that portfolio value. Uh, and I completely agree with the idea that, that this is not an order book. This is kind of a, <laughs> a half, you know, and it, I would, I would suggest, you know, I think a great thing to do is to go on, you know, go on to, I know you've done a video on, on crypto, go on to the Betfair exchange um, yeah. and just have a look at what an actual order book looks like. Uh, and, or actually look at the tweets that Football Index put out in about 2014, was it? With um, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I think it was January. <laughs> it wasn't that out, long ago. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a long time in Football Index terms, isn't it? But in January, I think they put out a tweet. Adam Cole got everyone very excited with NASDAQ uh, screenshots. And it looks brilliant. It looks like Betfair, but better. And a lot of people will like that. Uh, and so, you know... Um, when you know the idea that nasdaq will bring other players in and, and the proper market mechanics will bring other players in i can i completely agree with that where we, where we are now um you can't see anything so you've got no transparency that's very difficult uh you know it um opaque markets don't really work for, for me um the the vwap which is just a horrible horrible term um but the it sounds like a it's like a Nicki minaj song uh, <laughs> that that for me makes no sense um you know pe- people talk about uh should it be the lowest 300 shares should it be the the lowest 900 shares if you if you go on betfair or you uh bet for exchange that is if you go on uh trading 212 or crypto as well i'm sure when you when you buy a player for you buy sancho for 10 pounds um it it shows you your pnl by your exit price, what what you can exit at, and and rather than what you could buy another share at. So to me, there's um, to me that doesn't doesn't really make any sense, and those mechanics don't make any sense. Um, the larger that we have the VWAP number or whatever you want to call it, the larger the spreads will be because um, that that buy price becomes artificially higher as it takes more of the higher offers into account and so again so you don't have that transparency and and that fundamentally is not a proper order book and and that will be putting off a lot of people and so i suppose the positive to take from that is that uh you know there's lots of people that that will be waiting on the side and waiting for proper um you know so we're not even close to having the right amount of liquidity that we should and I and I think I do think that will solve a lot of problems. Those those mechanics. Do, 
do you not think that you know in the short term until some of that liquidity comes on board because i think some of the discussions we've had you know you, you've made a good case about the kind of spreads um being uh larger if the, the vwap is larger but at the same time if the vwap isn't fit for purpose in an exchange that doesn't have the right liquidity isn't that the first order of business to to change that to reflect better what people are valuing those shares at overall so you know something that i've said quite a long time is a percentage of shares in in circulation like it it makes no sense to me that the bottom 300 or or 900 or whatever it may be um shares of a player that has over a million shares in in circulation are the because i think before instant sell, one of the things, you know, Panda mentioned in the last podcast, we went from the most pessimistic uh, valuation, uh, optimistic valuation to the most pessimistic valuation, which to me seems a, a bit um, a bit of an interesting decision. Mm. Let me let me ask let me ask you, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. So um, if uh, if I buy Sancho at, at ten pounds um, and let's so under the old under the old system, uh, I bought 300 shares. His his price should would go up to 10.01. That was that was the old system. Does that make sense to you that I can buy a player and then immediately I can show a profit on my on my portfolio value? Uh, no, and it probably was as illogical on the other side of things where we were queuing to sell players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I mean that. So so none of this is kind of. But, but then I guess I guess my contrapoint to that would be would like is it fair that someone can buy nine hundred of Sancho right now and say under the first iteration where we had three hundred shares and it wasn't the one p below thing you would see his price fly maybe seventy p and you'd see an instant profit in that sense as well. Um, yeah, I mean. It- but again, if for me you wouldn't see that insta profit because the way I, the way I would have it, which would be very controversial, would be that um, your value, your portfolio value, would be valued by either the mid price or the or the sell price, and so the bids would have to follow. So so I you know I agree with you that to me that wouldn't make sense, uh, and it and it would be a paper profit. It wouldn't be even close to a realizable profit. And so again, it comes back to what I was saying earlier about this. Uh, you know, we've kind of teed traders up to think that they may, you know, to think, uh, give them high expectations of of the profit on paper. And then actually, when it's not realizable, <clears throat> we have a bit of a, a panic and suddenly, you know, we have a massive sell off and and we've kind of created that issue, in my view. Mm. So, so would you not be in favor of doing something like a percentage of total shares in circulation until liquidity is is provided? Because for me, it's kind of like, well, either liquidity comes in very soon, or there are some um, seller tapes, uh, some holes that are seller taped together until that uh, liquidity comes. Yeah, down. I mean, an, an idea that's been banded around a bit, which I, which I'm, I haven't quite thought about enough. I think, I think I like it is the reset idea reset and and change your valuation to the to the sell price what you can actually exit at or may or maybe you do the mid price um and and there's a few reasons for that one it's actually realistic it's what you can actually sell your portfolio for and i know there's a lot of people that say um oh you know i i value panda uh, panda says for example i value sancho at 25 pounds so why would I sell them at, at ten pounds? Well, exactly. 
but it actually doesn't you know what panda values it at isn't what we should see on the screen we should see what um the highest bidder wants to pay and, and unfortunately i agree there's there's not much liquidity but that's kind of the, the that's that's the state we're in and and i don't really think there's an issue with with being honest with people and showing that as long as you communicate it properly and maybe maybe the best way is to do a reset and just come back in fresh um but it's an interesting idea um i wanted to quickly ask you one question i'm sorry i've interrupted but just to pick your brains one thing you know you asked me the question does it make sense that you buy a player and you show an instant profit Hmm. in your situation here if you bought from the market you'd be showing an instant loss does that also maybe put people off uh it might put people off but it but it is how markets work because um that's a, a bid off a spread uh the you know the you can never buy below where the market is um is selling at so you can't just buy and then sell immediately you know a split second later for a profit uh, or or sorry simultaneously you cannot buy and sell for a profit um in a in a functioning market and 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 you can't do that on football index either if you bought sancho on football index now um at whatever he is 10 pounds if you wanted to sell immediately you would sell for a loss and and that's that's how it works in crypto that's how it works in betfair that's how it works in functioning markets and so i think i don't know i mean i'd I'd be really interested to hear panda and and i know he i know he's in favor of the the vwap and all that sort of thing but to me it's a it's completely at odds with what other functioning markets do and so i but uh, at the moment, this isn't a functioning market. No, so why no. why why would we um, why would we put the cream on top of the cake before we even have the base? You know, I think some of the things that you're mentioning there um, are, you know, for example, like having depth and, and all these other like uh, you know bells and whistles. I don't even think we have the base yet. So us debating kind of portfolio valuations where, you know, to be frank and to be honest, I think that FI will eventually have an option where you can put your um, sell price or buy price or mid price, whatever you want. I think that's something that I've advocated for quite a lot of time because, you know, for me, I I don't really pay attention too much to the valuation, but some people it might be really important. Um, The VWAP thing, I think, has become more of a conversation because of, I guess the lack of communication and the lack of uh, foresight from FI standpoint in terms of when exactly liquidity can come. Because realistically, the 300 VWAP thing in theory uh, was okay, but that's only if you have mass amounts of liquidity and those low offers are gobbled up quickly by liquidity makers uh, or uh, liquidity providers rather. Um, so for me, it's it's a halfway house at the moment. It's like, well, you either fix the portfolio valuation thing and then uh, like the, the VWAP value and then add liquidity and then slowly start to unravel that when you have depth and when people get more accustomed to the mechanics and maybe, you know, Duncan, in a year, we have a situation where you have a an FI Pro and an FI Basic where on the FI Basic, you just see the buy and the sell and on the FI Pro, you see the whole book. Um, I think there's a few steps that have to be taken before we even start considering some of those valuation pieces because i think for me it's it's not a, it's not a market currently and the mechanism or the valuation pieces are both simultaneously broken alongside having not not enough liquidity so i think there are it's weird to say isn't it because it's like we have problems that wouldn't be problems with liquidity but without liquidity uh, we need to kind of 
circumvent some of those issues in in, in some respects and also fi have also moved like moved those goalposts already right so the issue with the 300 lowest buy price was that there wasn't enough liquidity and fi put a plaster on top of it already by changing that valuation to 900 and only making it a penny at a time so i suppose what i'm saying is that like if they're already moving in that in that direction i think playing that safe game of fixing that vwap and changing the mechanics there a little bit and waiting for liquidity to come to come aboard and slowly unraveling those steps until we actually have this proper exchange which i think is probably still kind of at least nine months down the road yeah i mean i think it's the you know, it's, I've, I think I've said to you on on Twitter, you know, I, I'd love to, I'm very much of the free market opinion and maybe that's, may, I'm probably being naive by assuming that we can just go straight towards that. Um, you know, sure, we need to keep as many customers as possible. I'm My worry is that, like I said, we've created this culture, they've marketed it in a certain way, we're continuing with this culture and maybe you know, there'll be another big bump in the road down the line, which is avoidable um, because we've, you know, built up the buy price and valuations even more. And at some point, it's going to have to unravel. Uh, you know, maybe now a reset when we're kind of at the bottom uh, could be a time to do it. And I think a, a reset is actually probably the only time to do it because otherwise, you, you know, you send out an announcement saying we're changing the valuation and everyone's portfolio drops you know, five, ten percent, whatever the spread is, uh, which which might not might not uh, work out too well. So, I think you know, I completely, I, I do understand the point that you know maybe we need to just admit this isn't a proper market and um, and go with that for now. I just think it's a there's a chance that it'll come back to haunt us again. I think they need to be. I actually agree with you. I think they need to be careful in the sense that um, you don't get too comfortable when you get to that point where you're like oh well we've reset and we've done this and this and and that and now everyone's kind of happy the positive sentiment is is with us but you then have to slowly uh take those steps back it's it's you know it's like having stabilizers but having like three sets of them and you're slowly taking them away but you have to do them in the right way and you have to help your customer base mature and um and if they don't mature then you need to be in a in a state of transition where new fresh money that maybe is more mature is joining to replace the money that leaves and i think that fi have to be quite um understanding a bit more of their current trader base and think about what we what they want uh the trader base to be like in the future and then think well uh you know is that going to be a combination of people maturing and new money so are they going to meet in the middle or are we going to try and mature more of the traders and i think that's kind of a it's not the identity crisis thing that i'm sure we'll talk about in 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 the future of this podcast but it's kind of like well first step to me seems they're really understanding who their audience currently is and what they want it to become and and how you how you push towards that area and, and having a proper market with some of the current existing traders but understanding that some of them will probably leave in the future yeah and I mean, they've. We, I think there's a question on this later. We've we've set our, they've set their stool out in terms of where they want to get to, regulatory wise, and what they want to clearly what they want to turn the market into, and so you know there's going to be a point where they're going to have to do it. And they're going to have to, um, you know, change these valuations, etc. And if it's not now, then our, you know, it'll be very interesting to see when they when they think is uh, is a good time to do it. 
you know on the portfolio valuation piece like is there anything you'd like to say more on that i mean that's something that we've discussed a lot on twitter i mean it's something you clearly feel quite passionate about like why as i've written here and i know it's something you're quite hot on um (laughs) uh, is there a particular reason like do you think this is not talked about enough in the community yeah i mean i i think it it's kind of a microcosm of 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 the whole uh there's a slight cult within you know within football index as i've said there's kind of this i you know the way that it's been marketed all the rockets i think people don't people don't want that portfolio value to drop and and they uh, someone did a really good tweet. I uh, can't remember the, the account's name, and he did. He created a thing called My Price, and I think yeah, you guys yeah, have yeah, talked yeah. about it. And it was brilliant. It was like, you know, why 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 don't we just decide what? So Panda thinks Sancho's valued at twenty five. Why doesn't he just key into his football index twenty five pounds Sancho, and then that'll spit out a portfolio value that suits him. Uh, and I think you know, again, it's it, it's what you've been saying. You know, traders need to mature. But you've got to be careful how you go about doing that. So maybe you know, maybe it maybe it's about getting more mature traders in uh, to either to replace or to um, to at least make up the majority before you before you go and do that sort of thing. Um, and so I, I am I do think it's something that we need to dispel. I think it's I think it's a bad trait. Um, but but it's some maybe as you say, it's just something we've got to deal with right now. And there will be a time when it's more suitable to kind of, uh, you know, to boot that what I perceive as a negative trait out out of, uh, you know, out of the community. Um, I think what, one thing that is, is separate um, and it's maybe slightly less contentious, um, the if we talk about the mid price for a second uh, or, or the sell price, there's there's clearly a problem at the moment with um, with what's intuitive in terms of the price of. Of players, so so I've set my portfolio value to, to the mid price, um, but the play. But when I look on the top two hundred or the squad players and the top rises, etc., uh, those are all values and and their their increases, etc., all are all set by the buy price, and so uh, and that buy price hasn't really been moving recently because there's not really been any buying done by the uh, with the buy price. It's all been done in the in the spreads with people bidding either low ball bids or, or starting to bid a bit higher. You know, well, another thing I've seen on the timeline um, or quite a lot recently is this idea of uh, of the intuitive price movements um, and making sure that that new users, when they you know when they purchase a player, um, can actually uh, price movements make sense. So rather than just um, purely someone, uh, you know people's prices basically dropping the whole time, which is what we've seen recently, that when a player performs well, intuitively, their price should go up. Uh, you know, an example of that was Grealish at, at the weekend. Um, you know, one of the one of the best Premier League performances in, you know, in the last 20 years. And, uh, you know, through whatever it was, three assists, two goals, um, absolutely thrashing Liverpool. And he didn't go up in price. He wasn't even on the risers list. Uh, but, his, but that's because his buy price didn't go up. His his sell price, I think, and the spread was about 180, um, and it moved up to about two pounds forty uh, on the buy uh, on the sell price. That is, and so that's like that's a 60p increase if you show that on the sell on the sell price, and if you show it based on the mid price, it's about a I don't know a 30 to 40p increase, um, which creates that FOMO that we're talking about. 
you see Grealish going up and you go, oh, he's he's booming. I better get a bid in. I better buy him now because the bids are, you know, the bids might even overtake the buy now price. So you create that FOMO. What we don't have, we don't have that at the moment because that buy price isn't moving. So I think that's quite an interesting thing to think about is, you know, maybe you, you see a bit more of that volatility. Um, unfortunately, what you will see is uh, negative volatility as well as positive. So you'll see more rises. You'll also see more fallers. And I think, again, that's something that, you know, maybe uh, in an ideal world, we'd see that. Maybe we're not ready for traders to see that yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that I've thought about is, um, you know, on this FI basic, uh, you'd have like, you know, the last matched uh, bid as what you could sell at uh, or buy at, whatever it may be, um, and buy is the, the lowest uh, offer, as I guess we see on, on FI. Um, one of the useful things that I think we could see from the FI database, for example, and when they actually, I don't know if you've seen this, Duncan, but they've, they've released it recently, but um if eventually you could have live feeds in there where um, you can actually see the transactioning ha uh, transactions happening to Greedish um, and whether or not you could maybe, you know, doesn't matter whether or not it's uh, buy price or sell price that are uh, providing the rises and fallers. But if you clicked into your player and you could see the latest matches or offers that have been gone uh, with depth, then I think that does as as much as it does on um, on on kind of the rises list. I think one of the other things that FI should consider is um, on the app having a section where uh, players that are being traded the most are in the last hour, in the last twenty four hours, in the last week, or whatever it may be. I think these are all things that FI should be considering as we move into this more. Um, I, I guess, you know, you, you mentioned it's very unique as a exchange halfway house of bookies, halfway house of uh, a real market. As we transition, we need to equip people better with better information. I think all of these things would be better. Like there's no reason FI couldn't have a, uh, a three-tiered uh, trending list where you have like buy, mid and sell price um, if people could value their portfolios at buy, mid and sell price. Because, you know, for example, there will be some traders kind of, I'm sure, screaming at this podcast, that listen, but like I never use instance that I only ever use offers or I only ever, ever used to pl uh, plan to use offers. So um, it's more realistic for me to use the buy price, which is, you know, fair enough. And I mean, there'll be people who 99% of the time use the instant sell price. So for them, it might make more sense. And then there'll be people who are kind of in between. I suppose what I'm saying is once FI create that kind of um, more the ability to more honestly value your uh portfolio based on the kind of situation and, and trader that you are it will then be easier to give people more and more information through the app through the website through the data center that will give people the, the tools i suppose to to trade more successfully yeah yeah absolutely and i think you know i'm we're why we're all so excited about the order books um is for all that information uh you know you like you say we I think it's a real shame that at the moment we don't even have something as basic as um, as that last that last match price. We should really be able to see that. Uh, okay, you can see it on the ticker if you're paying attention. You've got a calculator in front of you. Um, you know things like I'd love to see the volume um, that's being traded and you know last 24 hours. I'd love to click on a player um, again, like like you can on Betfair. You click on the player and you can see how much has been traded on that player. You can see all the different price points that they've been traded at over the last, well, you know, you could set it over the last 24 hours, over the last week. And all of those kind of things build into creating the FOMO, giving, 
more advanced traders uh, the information that they need to come in, which is obviously where we want to go with this, uh, more advanced, wealthier traders who are going to put liquidity into the platform. And Football Index must must know that all these things are, are desired. And um, yeah, let's hope sooner rather than later that uh, that we have access to all of that. Mm. And, you know, we're seeing some, this is a slight aside, we're seeing some positive movements today in the market. Um, do you think that FI should, you know, continue thinking about some of the changes that we've mentioned? Or do you think they kind of let it settle for a little bit? I think, uh, well, look, I think the sooner that they can, that they can actually show us, um, well, the, the market depth one is, is a tough one, because if they show us market depth without liquidity... <laughs> Uh, it's going to look very barren, isn't it? Yeah, and that won't that doesn't bring confidence. You know, the the we've we've said it before. It's a it's chicken and the egg, and you know, more liquidity breeds more liquidity. Less liquidity breeds less liquidity. And so, if you show people a book of li- no liquidity, that is going to that's going to lead to less liquidity. And, and what we don't need right now is less liquidity. So, you know, there's an argument. I think there's a good argument to say you only want to something like depth and proper books you only want to do when there's more liquidity but things like showing people trading volume showing people how the spreads have been changing or maybe how the sell price has been changing anything that gives people more information especially if it's if it can be positive information is going to be beneficial so i think yeah i mean clearly they're not in a position to to do a lot of this stuff at the moment um but i but i think um i don't think anyone would be put off by by change right now as long as it's things that have been mentioned and um you know and been promised basically and you know what we don't need is more announcements about things that we that we never that we're not even interested in Uh, hold that thought because we're going to talk about that in a little minute aren't we um i want to ask you about kind of uh fca and and all that kind of stuff that we mentioned in the last piece of comms and and generally about comms but um i I want to just remind the the listeners that this podcast is brought to you by rising star football edition the board game of dreams where you have a chance to play out a footballer's career of your own win career points earn money and gain fame all in the hope of defeating your rivals having the greatest career and being crowned rising star champion the kickstarter campaign is now live where you can score a copy of the game itself for just 30 quid there are also limited edition rewards available to kickstarter backers so be sure to check them out this comes from one of our very own in the community who has used some of their football index profits to invest in their dream of creating a board game business so be sure to visit kickstarter and support the campaign today find out more at risingstarfootballedition.com Today's episode is also brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage. Featuring football reporters you know and love like David Ornstein, James Pearce, Sam Lee and Arafa Honigstein, The Athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else. No ads or clickbait. Just great sports writing. For 40% off your annual subscription to the best sports writing around, go to theathletic.co.uk slash fake. It's £2.99 a month if you go for their annual deal. Uh, Duncan, have you bought anything recently that costs more than £2.99? Uh, a big Toblerone bought oh, the other day. Was it an orange one? Did you see me tweet that? The other... <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, it's brilliant. Uh, the orange. Is that like a chocolate Toblerone. orange? Yeah, chocolate orange Toblerone. Oh. It was pff, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Have a look at that. That's. Uh, they're not cheap, are they? The big Toblerones. No, but I don't know. But you kind of you know what you're getting. You know, it's a big <laughs> piece of chocolate. I don't really mind spending whatever it is, three or four quid on it. <laughs> um, you know, before the ads, we mentioned uh, some comms from FI recently. What did you make of the, the latest Adam Cole 
communication? Yeah, so I mean, I think that was that was one of the questions, wasn't it? Um, I I was disappointed. I ha- I have to say, mm. and I think um, you know, it's like how to clear a room by Adam Cole. <laughs> Everyone just read that, and then there was like Black Sunday again, and I was just thinking, he he must, you know, he, I I don't know. I I to be honest, I don't really know what what they were thinking with that one. I think that's. They've made a few gaffes uh, recently, and I think that was that was one of them. Um, I I, w- I, sh- I want to caveat that by saying, look, the message is po- is positive, and I so I I quite liked the message, but it was the timing of the message. It was the last thing we it was the last thing we needed. Uh, another example of Adam Cole trying to bring some clarity and leading to more questions than answers, like he used to do with the Q and As, etc. Um, so that, that, that's the rant, um, in terms of the positives, I think, you know, if we talk about the FCA regulation for a bit, um, clearly that, that's a step, uh, towards, you know, that gives us a, an idea of, as he said, the embryonic, uh, you know, goals that they're looking to achieve. And I think that's, that's a great direction for football index to go in order books is the start of that. So anyone that kind of, you know, had a, you know, had, um, had order books in mind, probably knew they were they would have been going this way towards spread betting or whatever you whatever you want to call it. Um, so you know FCA and, and that sort of thing is more security for traders. Uh, but was it the right time to announce something like that? I'm presuming by no. the way that you have <laughs> described the piece of comms that it wasn't like it was a very random thing to talk about and i think you know uh panda mentioned the uh blue sky thinking kind of has to disappear until the basics are done well on fi um is it right of me to say that that was a piece of communications that was catered towards traders that were feeling very scared um but actually what it did is it actually made traders that weren't scared uncertain (laughs) yeah exactly like i say i mean adam cole is is not going to be getting invited to to any weddings to give a speech anytime soon i mean it was just completely uh um yeah it was completely unnecessary everyone was you know if if you're a trader and they must have a line into traders and and we know they've had the trader panels etc recently um you know i i and you know i'm sure you're the same like pretty much every football index trader was wait was just desperate for some certainty and well, every time I, I get that notification from Football Index, it's usually at half ten at night, and it says there's going to be a um, a market disruption tonight, or whatever they call it, a market um, you know pause. I'm always, and every time I see that notification, I'm hoping it's another just a random update that will give us some clarity. And so everyone opened that, thinking, right, here we go. We've been desperate for an update. Give us some clarity. And then he just came out with this, uh, you know, as Panda says, this blue sky thinking, this complete curveball that nobody wanted to read about. They didn't, they managed to write an update when everyone was desperate to hear more about NASDAQ and uh, the media monitor and all these sorts of things, liquidity providers, and they managed to mention none of that. And I think, yeah, I mean, that is bound to impact people's confidence. Like I say, they've had a few gaffes recently and and this was was one of them. Um, And it just, yeah, it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't the time for it. And um, and it's just brought more more uncertainty. And as we know, with financial markets and, and all sorts of markets, um, that uncertainty you know people trade on certainty, and people 
um, will you know put more money in on certainty. They'll take their money out or or at least leave their money in the cash balance if they're uncertain. Exactly, exactly. And I'm I'm sure they were shocked at FI Towers at the reaction to that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I don't know. I th- I don't know if people have spoken much about Adam. Adam Cole. I mean, you, you've had him on here. I'd, I'd be interested. I, I need to listen to that that one. I think um, was it a good one? I mean, uh, we've had was, but. <laughs> uh, several good ones. Yeah, I mean, it's always great having the guys from FI on because yeah. I suppose it offers always um, it, it offers stuff that I or Panda or any other guest can't really offer, I suppose. And it's also building that um, connectivity with your audience, which I think I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think is 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 growing and growing in terms of the gap more and more. I mean, um, I was on the, the panel on Thursday and um, and I think it's, it's not a fault to um, certain members at FI at all, but I, I do think there is a big disconnect between traders and... Uh, and the community uh, between traders and the business at the moment. And I think it, it stems from FI not understanding their audience enough. And I think they need to make these panels uh, a regular occurrence. Um, they need to probably employ someone who is kind of like a head of community type person who, who monitors sentiment. Honestly, like if I was running that business, I'd have someone who does that every single week. The panels looks at Twitter, looks at the forum, looks at Slack um, uh, and stuff. Well, a looks full-time at, job, that one. Yeah, no, no, honestly, <laughs> as a full-time job. And I'd, I'd yeah. write a, a weekly report to people to to the trading team to the marketing team to uh to the execs and say like this is what traders are thinking at the moment and uh, you know there is no quick fix on that it's going to take a long time for fi to rebuild that um not rebuild the relationship but rebuild the the understanding of their customer base and i think that like you said you know that's a full-time job but it's it's definitely worth the money i mean um you know there are certain things that fi have done like the fca regulation piece where that is an answer to a problem that we didn't really have in the community the problem or the the problem stemmed from uh, a broken mechanism uh, uh, not a proper market not having a book even though it's an order book uh, the sentiment being terrible uh, not having liquidity and the thing that came out of all of those issues that would be mentioned on on twitter on in content in slack and on the forum and 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 was that the FCA might regulate FI one day, which I found crazy because that in itself showed a massive disconnect. Um, so, so I mean, you know, we've we've kind of gone off of course here, but I suppose it is definitely um, adjacent to the piece of comms that FI put out through, you know, using Adam and, and stuff. But yeah, I think it's it is definitely following on from some of the stuff that we talked about where, you know, understanding your customer base is, is point A and then thinking about where you want to move to is, is point B. And I think that, you know, had FI had someone in place that that monitors that kind of sentimental value of the market, then they would understand that putting stuff out that is quite like front facing, but actually doesn't have any action behind it is not going to do much. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting one because I thought they'd got that i thought they'd understood that when they removed adam cole's twitter from kind of being the face of the business um and i you know whenever that was three or four months ago they kind of said look adam cole is is no longer going to be tweeting from his own twitter about you know big announcements we, we've brought in a comms guy we're going to do it properly 
And then it just seemed a bit weird to bring AC back in as if he was like the second coming and he was going to you know, cl clear everything up and, and give traders a massive boost when historically they'd, I thought they'd worked out that wasn't really his role. So it, all in all, it, it was an odd one. Hopefully uh, they saw from the, the blow up on both on the market and on Twitter and, you know, presumably at the trader panels that that was not a smart play. And again, they, you know, they've got to learn from it and hopefully they do let's hope so let's hope so uh, we've got a final two or three questions here before we wrap up because it's, it's gone longer than i think we both anticipated on a <laughs> late friday afternoon i'm sure you've got things that you want to be doing duncan uh you know and obviously me editing this podcast before uh i don't know doing whatever um question here from x i how does the market react on the first day of the second deposit bonus was this also something that you were just uh kind of interested or confused by why they did a two-part bonus that had the same bonus surely that naturally encourages people to withdraw and then deposit for the second one or, or sell and deposit for the second one yeah i think it's one of those where you see it and you're like okay interesting and then the more you think about it and the more you know after a few days we all sort of worked out We'd seen a few murmurs that um, that people were selling in order to make make use of the, of the second one, uh, which is just a really bizarre thing to encourage at this kind of time uh, when you know things are things clearly sentiment was tough. They want to encourage money into the market, and they somehow managed to create a bonus that would encourage money out of the market. So I just thought, thought that was a bit of a a bit of a strange one. Um, I. I can't, have they done they've done bonuses like this before in two stages right yeah but but they did but the second one was like five percent and the first one was ten percent right something like i'm that. i'm not sure um i'm I not think, sure what they were like, like i think maybe maybe i don't actually remember if i'm yeah. truth be well, told some, yeah someone will someone will be able to check i'm sure i, yeah. I have a feeling and it would certainly make sense if you did right ten percent on the first one five percent on the second one or or just do one and just get get money and keep it in the market. And again, you know, the the deposit bonus is a, a gimmicky, and you know, a lot of I'd echo what a lot of people have said recently, which is let's just have some stability. Let's put out a roadmap of you know of everything they're trying to do, and say, look, there's going to be no more deposit bonuses for for X period because it it it's artificial. Um, you know, we we are getting to a stage now where you know there's maybe enough money in the market that we don't need to do these sorts of things. You you, you also create uh, you create a boom and then you create a bit of a bust afterwards when a lot of people withdraw their money. Um, and again, you know, I think I think you you're a net loser in some of these because actually the panic that could be set off afterwards loses more people than you gained with the deposit bonus. So you know, I'm I'm all for um, yeah, you know, Panda has said, coined the phrase, you know, I, I want to trade football as not announcements. And and that has never been truer than, you know, than with all these deposit bonuses and everything that's happened the last few months. Uh, and I think I think they, you know, splitting it into two was another gimmick. And uh, on, on what is already quite a gimmicky promotion. Uh, and I really think um, I personally wouldn't have done one. And when they missed their fifth birthday, I think it was like the Thursday was the birthday and then the Friday they announced it. And I was kind of hoping that, that they wouldn't um, because I just think it like, you know, for, for the reasons I've just given uh, the fact when, you know, the fact that they're going to do it fine. Um, but, but you've got to, 
you know, to me, it made no sense to split it into again another another error that that they've made recently. I mean, if we're if we're honest, FI management, etc. It's not been they've not covered the, themselves in glory the last three to six months. No, definitely not. Um, one eight two has a question here: Which will be the first players to shoot back in price? Premium PB holds, youth plus PB, wonder kids, or sentiment players, etc. I mean, from today's viewing, it looks like players that are just far from their all-time high. um yeah i yeah i mean there's definitely that isn't there i think if you're a savvy trader you're looking at the people that are way off peak because you can see enormous capital appreciation from that uh i think that's probably a slight uh slightly not not really trading on the fundamentals there i mean for me uh let's get back to the fundamentals and and it'll be safe havens uh, as i mentioned earlier so it'll be the premium uh, the consistent dividend return, as people I think will want to be on people that in the you know in the next three months before Christmas, before the turn of the year, are returning dividends. And so, uh, you know, I, I hold some of these, not all of them. It's going to be for me Neymar, Messi, De Bruyne, Kimmich, uh, Depay, Dybala, maybe um, those those sorts of guys. I think um, you can you can kind of see where the market is comfortable or where the market has been comfortable the people that actually haven't dropped a lot in the last few months has been really interesting and and it is those names mainly and they're clearly the people that haven't been sold off because people are actually kind of not too worried about sitting on them in the long term Uh, and for me that'll be the key you know pick pick people initially people will go for people that uh, for players that they're happy to sit on for a year maybe even two or three years if you're going extreme and wait for that wait for those yields to kick in mm, wise words uh last question here from fi tom uh may have had this before but i'm going to ask it anyway who's the king of the index at the end of the 2020 21 season um i think if i'm i mean if we're going obvious it's it's probably going to be sancho or mbappe uh and to me, it'll be whoever is winning the the kind of media transfer race, um, and and that will a lot of that will depend on the the media monitor and what comes out of that, which obviously is is still to be decided. Uh, I think I don't know. I I have a feeling Mbappe goes one or two ways over the next year. Uh, if he if he's still not returning, which he hasn't done to date, uh, dividend returns, then might see a bit of a sell off. San, I'd probably pump for Sancho, but it depends whether Mbappe wins that, you know, if he gets that Madrid transfer or whatever. Um, if I'm going a bit more rogue, I'd probably go for for uh, Mason, Daddy Greenwood, and uh, as as he's as he's known by his by his friends, uh, I think he's kind of the. Well, I don't, he's not really a dark horse, is he? But I think he's got everything. Um, to to get to Sancho's level, I basically think he's you know he he could be he could be sat you know he could be what we're saying about Sancho, but already at United, um, maybe I've just been watching too many of his videos when he was like eighteen scoring well whatever sixteen even I think he's probably still only eighteen, um, you know watching videos of him scoring free kicks with both feet in his you know in his under eighteen days and all that sort of thing, um, so so I'd probably give him a little plug. Um, I think I have a feeling that in the short term Neymar will return to the top. I think it'll be short lived. 
but I think for the reasons that I was, you know, for what we were talking about earlier, the safe havens, he's he's not miles off being the king of the index as he is, uh, as it is now. And I have a sneaky suspicion he'll, you know, he'll have some nice returns on you know, Champions League days or whatever. And people will see that yield and it will become so obvious what his yield that that maybe he'll sneak up to you know, 10, 11 pounds and then probably for the rest of his career, maybe, you know, maybe drop off in less, you know, unless his dividend returns are, are enormous. Mm. Well, that's all the questions we've got. I don't know if there's any other points that you wanted to talk about, discuss any other business. Uh, did I, did I kind of not answer that? Um, how does the market react on the first day of the second deposit? Bonus? You kind of like just I, slagged it off for I a bit. slagged it off. Yeah. Okay. So let, I feel like that's a bit unfair on whoever asked that. <laughs> uh, that's just me being, you know, that's my cynical way. Sorry. Um, how does so we'll actually answer that? How does the market react on the first day of the second deposit bonus? I think the bad thing was they split it in two, but now that they've split it in two and we've kind of seen the damage of that, I think I think that you know I think what we're seeing now is people trying to preempt that second deposit bonus. So yeah, you know we'll either see a rise at seven thirty in the morning on the what is it? Is it the sixteenth that um, that that second stage kicks in? But I think people know that's going to happen. And when people know something like that's going to happen, people will try and get in before. And so I think um, I've already, unfortunately, I've already um, shot my load on that one. And I've I've run out of cash and I kind of got in got in earlier. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think over the next few days, we'll see people getting involved um, in the run up to the second deposit bonus. So I think um, the reaction will be will be prior to that. Well, that's all we've got time for. Uh, where can people find out more about you, Duncan? Uh, well, uh, my my Twitter's my name. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, I think it's Duncan un- underscore Maybury. I uh, I've been maybe a little bit more active recently, but I, to be honest, I, tr- I think uh, the FI Twitter community is um, there's a lot going on, and <laughs> sometimes you can get a bit too invested in it. So. Uh, I'll be on there a bit and you know try and keep engaged and you know I'm occasionally on the Slack channel but tend to be a bit of a a lurker on, on <laughs> Slack. Lots of them, honest. isn't there? Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on, man, and thank you everyone for listening. If you're commuting right now, then uh, stay safe on your commute. Wear a mask and wash your hands and all that jazz. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing at home, have a great day. And sorry we didn't get to answer all your questions. As always, there's quite a few. Remember, Football Index is a gambling platform. Only bet where you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. <laughs>